Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast coming to you live from Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, the full CHGO White Sox crew. we got Vinny Duber on my far left. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. The man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him at Eckernwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader, and I... I'm Sean Anderson. You can find me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to uh, Sarah Victor for producing our show today. We're going to be talking a little bit about... <laughs> is that a high? It was very meek. Yeah, it was kind of like... I, a, I feel like I stepped over it. Did uh, SNL with uh, Alec Baldwin and the two girls? Uh, yeah. Hi. Schwitty balls. The delicious dish. <laughs> yes. Oh, there it is. You know. <laughs> Uh, Alan Schwetty, what was his name? Pete Schwetty. Pete Schwetty. Yeah. Pete Schwetty. Hi. Um. My mic wasn't working. I just realized that. I was like, oh, oh. the ones are switched. We heard you. Hi. Yeah. I, you guys heard me. That's all that matters. Yeah, well, that'll be fun yeah. on the audio edition tomorrow when no one knows what Schwetty we're talking balls. about. Schwetty balls. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to take a bite of your balls. Wow. I, I think that's what. Yeah. Is. Anyways. Um, Brian Bannister is going to get a chance to look at uh, Michael Kopech's balls this offseason. Mm. Okay. Um, I think we can <laughs> drop that bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna be I serious. get what you're saying. Really? Pitches, you mean fastballs yeah, yeah, yeah. and like whatnot. Yeah. Curveballs, sliders, change-ups, those in, sorts in of things. In sessions. Yes, spin yeah. rates. Yeah. Spin rates yeah. on the rap soto machines. Correct. <laughs> so Michael Kopech is going to be a topic of discussion today. Um, but we're going to be talking mainly pitching. I've been trying to do a deep dive into Brian Bannister. You know, Brian Bannister's job is to do a deep dive into all these pitches. Um, I gave myself the assignment to do a deep dive on Brian Bannister. So, mm. you know, uh, pat on the back to me. Played for the Royals. Played for the Royals. His dad played for the White Sox. His name is Floyd. There you go. And uh, that's about it. That's that's as far right. as I got to. Um, so, you know, as, as much as All right. I do. Um, that's, well, a, that's a show, folks. <laughs> I'll bring you some Brian Bannister <laughs> video uh, that I found interesting and... Uh, we're going to talk about how that will correlate with Michael Kopech. But first, I want to go back to Tuesday. Um, let's rewind and go to uh, Sock's mom's uh, question from our Mailbag Monday uh, episode that, again, we did on Tuesday, where she said, if you were Chris Getz, what would be your number one offseason priority? And I got laughed out of the building when I said Adam Duvall. So, okay. I don't know, laughed at the building. I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> but both of you said pitching in some sense or the other. Starting. Starting pitching. Yeah. So, I, I, I just don't get it. Like, again, we kind of got into it a little bit mm-hmm. just because why now? Why would the White Sox, out of all these years, 
go spend money on pitching. Why would well, they go? We didn't, we didn't a, say. You, the question wasn't what do you think they will do. Yeah. It's if you were okay. Chris Getz, what would be your top priority? That's, well, what do you think they will do? Do you think? What do I think they will do? Yeah. They certainly don't have any starting pitchers, so going to get some of those certainly makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, that would be – if I was looking at their roster and how, if I was them, knowing how well Minnesota's gone via their pitching, I would say, hey, we need to stack up to them and that pitching staff, and one of the people we could take is one of their people in Sonny Gray. So I would be like, yeah, we already have a need for pitching, and we see one of our people who are currently in our division – excelling in the playoffs because of their pitching, their starting pitchers. I mean, we talked about it in the preseason about Lopez and I talk about laughed at. I was laughed at about Lopez, about Jorge Lopez being better than Lance Lynn. I get the last laugh. That man is a Cy Young, probably a Pablo th- Lopez, a Javi Lopez. He's probably a third guy in the Cy Young voting right now for the AL. So I say, Hey, the, which one? His name's Jose, isn't it? It's Pablo Lopez. Pablo? Pablo I Why said did you Jorge. say Javi Lopez? I said Pablo. Oh. I thought you said Javi. Okay, well. Javi bo- Lopez was a catcher. Both of you said Javi, so apparently I said Javi, but I meant Pablo. <laughs> Pablo Lopez. Yes. But he's the top three uh, Cy Young guy right now. But you said Jorge Lopez, who was, was a former Twins pitcher. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so we all you know were just saying yeah, different. You know me in names. There's a lot of Lopez's. Mercy. Yeah. You know what I mean. Um, I do know what you mean. And it's, it's a good point because, again, uh, uh, Jordan Schusterman of uh, Fox Sports just recently wrote about the Twins strikeout rate. Um, and, again, we look back to 2022, and the White Sox were near the top of uh, uh, baseball. And then same with 2021 in strikeout rate from their starters. So we do see – where the White Sox have had past success with their starters. Um, And a a thought that I've had with Brian Bannister is he's coming from a very friendly hitter park or a pitcher's park. Um, I mean, you look at what he was doing in San Francisco and what he told you guys was, oh, we started shifting towards sinker ballers. And the reasoning he gave was because a lot of fastballs were being thrown up in the zone. Hitters started to tailor their swing. But also when you have that giant wall out in right field in uh, AT&T Park, which I think is now Oracle Park, um, it also helps to, you know, throw sinker balls or uh, sinker balls low in the zone because it's tough to elevate those balls regardless uh, of where you're at. And it's just tougher to hit those balls out and get enough elevation um, on balls low in the zone and inside, uh, especially over that wall. So, I mean, you know, he, he also kind of tailored that design with that team and I think that culminated perfectly in you know 2022 when they won 107 games sure his his main point though was talking about and you'll remember the great cake baking line right it was that you got to work with what you got and so the point that he made was hey when I was in Boston we had a lot of guys that threw the ball really really hard so that's the kind of pitching staff that we had. We tried to amp up that aspect of it because those guys were good at it and they could use it to to get opposing hitters out. Once he got to San Francisco, it was a different uh, skill set that was more prevalent in that organization with the pitchers that they had, getting guys to induce ground balls, that kind of thing. Yeah, you're right. All that stuff comes together in, you know, what are the trends of the hitters? We talk about the chess game all the time, right? What, what is the way that the pitchers can go after guys that they're not expecting? You talk about playing to the park absolutely you should do that right if you've got a pitcher friendly park take advantage of it but at the same time it's about what he's going to show up to the White Sox and see and probably we're talking about well we're talking about guys at all levels right be it Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech at the major league level or guys throughout the minor leagues who they either just acquired or have acquired in recent years um, it's about taking a look at those skill sets and saying okay what can we establish as a 
philosophy for our organization based on what they're going to be able to execute. You don't walk in and say, all right, everyone, you are doing what I say, whether you can do it or not. You, you have to say, uh, all right, let's take a look. Let's do the deep dive like you were talking about and uh, figure out what the best path forward is based on the tools that they have at, the, uh, at their disposal. And going off of what you just said, and I've been thinking since uh, he was talking, Brian Bannister, about and the organization talking about he'll be kind of part of acquisitions and such, do you think that he will shape – the type of pitchers that he wants out there in the free agent market and say, mm-hmm. hey, I want player X because he does this, that, and other, and that's the stuff that I excel at, and I think we get him. He's a four ERA guy. We can get him to the mid threes. And, and that's why I love you, Herb, because you're giving me a perfect transition. Uh, hey, Brian Bannister, and uh, Sarah, this is where we're going to play the first clip. It's not uh, the dugout clips. It's the like the podcast clip. Uh, hey, Brian Bannister, what are you going to look for? What do you look for when you're looking for pitching projects to develop? One of the things that um, I've leveraged throughout my coaching career is going, now that we have data, we, we have literally timestamps uh, of movement quality and pitch quality throughout a player's career. And it's it's kind of like, you know, being a paleontologist, like you're going back in time, you're looking at what they did then, and then you're like, let's do that again. Uh, I've been able to do that successfully with a lot of players. And um, so many players are always chasing like the next big thing versus, hey, you were actually pretty good at this point in your career. If you just went back to that, you might make $20 million next year. And there's a lot to be said for making $20 million. <laughs> and uh, so I love, one of my sweet spots is kind of that 29 to 35 demographic of big leaguers who at one point were really, really good and really, really locked in. And whether it's they thought there was a better version of themselves, a higher ceiling version, uh, a coach or org sold them on going a different way, uh, whatever the reason that they changed and they kind of got out of what they did well, and big league hitters were telling them that it was a productive way to pitch. That's all I need to see. Um, and getting really good at recreating what they did in the past is one of my favorite things. Uh, and it's something I've been able to exploit for years. And it's fun because I don't have to teach them something new. Their body already knows those patterns, knows those motor preferences. I don't have to fight them or retrain them or build up that proprioception. It's already there. And once they actually start moving that way again, they actually start to love the game again uh, because they know they remember they had success at some point in the past doing that. And if you just tell them, like, that's good enough, like being a three war pitcher in the big leagues is good enough. Like we're not all, you know, a seven to nine war guy. And you right now you're not making much money. The reason you're here is because, you know, you're looking for more upside, but you had the upside. Let's just get back to it. And that's one of my favorite ways just to, talk to pitchers and go that's good enough and they find just a lot of peace in that concept again you brought up the cake analogy that he said and uh that is a great podcast it's about an hour and 45 minutes long uh from tread athletics uh at tread athletics uh t r e a d athletics uh ben brewster and tyler zombo uh were the two other players on the other side of the couch uh that was brian bannister talking about his sweet spot being 29 to 35 year old pitchers who have had past success and trying to get him them back to that past success and uh you know trying to figure out what works for them and you know if they got away from what works trying to get them back and 
I don't think it's about, because you said you have to go out and set the market and you were like, oh, Adam Duvall would be so disappointing because again, you know, you're, you're paying, you could pay for Adam Duvall at the end of free agency. Um, Adam Duvall might not be there though. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm really defensive of Adam Duvall, but <laughs> I don't think you're going to see the White Sox go out and, and sign Blake Snell. I don't like Jerry Reinsdorf has never been one to pay or pay for pitching. The only one that we've seen the White Sox get close with is the Zach Wheeler contract, which would have been over a hundred million dollars. But again, um, it's not anything like Garrett Cole or a true quote unquote ace. Right. Um, so I wouldn't predict a Blake Snell signing or one of these top free agents. I see the White Sox trying to find projects for uh, uh, Brian Bannister. And maybe it's 20 projects, right? Because what he said, again, it's there's value in being a three-war player. So there is a clear, hey, maybe we have a seven to nine-war peak in Dylan War, or in Dylan War, in Dylan Cease. Change his name. Uh, but but everyone else, it's just about making positive contributions and how to make the most out of the ingredients that you have. So, again, I think that the best strategy for the White Sox is, again, just trying to find uh, all those pieces to the puzzle. And we can already tell that Aaron Bummer is going to be a piece of that puzzle. And I think there's a lot of positives with Aaron Bummer. Um, and uh, uh, like, sorry, I'm getting off track a little bit. But like, I don't think the strategy when it's going to come to acquiring pitchers is going to be, oh, we need a starter. We need a horse. We need a guy that's going to give us 170 to you know 190 innings. It's about getting positive contributions. Hey, can we get a guy that's going to give us three war, right? Let's get 12 guys who are going to give us positive contributions rather than X amount of innings or, you know, be a postseason starter. Like, let's get to the postseason, and then we'll finish out, figure out all, all our pitching because you could be the Brewers, and right before the series starts, hey, your game two starters out, and, you know, now all of it rides on game one. So I, I feel like I'm getting away from the, the point a little bit, but again, I think Brian Bannister, it's all about unlocking some of those people that you're not thinking about because Blake Snell is so, uh, you know, attractive. Hey, yeah. he's probably going to be a two-time Cy Young winner, but you know, let's try to find the guys that we could turn into Cy Young winners. If the White Sox are doing what you espouse them to do and what they want them to do is just getting good pieces that they elevate via coaching, that's why the Adam Duvall slash Hunter Renfro slash older outfielder rental player irritates me because you're getting the value and you don't have to pay the players who are pitching as much as you would at the top of the market. And so... While you're doing that, you don't have a hitting coach that's doing the same thing as Bannister, or at least not espousing to that, where he's improving players who are who are just failing right now in the major leagues. And most of the White Sox hitters failed this past season. So instead of that, and then also the injury factor into the players, go and get a big bat. Go and get a real bat that's going to help you out to supplement the great pitching that they're supposed to have or supposed to develop. If you're not spending at the top of the market there, you got to spend somewhere close to the top of the market with an offensive player that's going to help you out. There's not a lot. There's probably very little. But you have to not just like, hey, okay, we're just not going to spend money on the pitching market and we're not going to go for the big free agents. But, you know, we're just going to downshift to Adam Duvall, which would be great. It would be a huge upgrade for the White Sox because the right field position has been crap. And trust me, I would be great with Adam Duvall if that was like a February signing. We need to just fill, fill out this team. He's our right fielder. He'll compete with Oscar Colas type of thing. But if in the beginning of the season or beginning of the offseason we got some available people and you 
downshift to Adam Duvall in November or December, I'll be probably pissed. That's what I. That's why I'll be pissed unless they're going to get a top nine starter on the on the rotation. Then I'll be like, okay, I get where you're at. But right now, they don't have really any money spent on a lot of players except for Yoan and Ad, um, Benintendi. I feel like we're answering like three or four different questions here. All three of us are answering three different questions, yes. right? So, Sean, you're you're saying when you hear the question, what should their top priority be? You're saying, what should they spend the most money on this offseason, right? I, I guess, because yeah. everything you said there was 100% correct. And that's still, and in my mind, that doesn't change the top priority being starting pitching, right? They can still go out and they could go out and sign 20 low level guys, but they could, that's what they have to do. That's the number one thing on their to do list because, because while every uh, position player, Herb, might end in a question mark. You can't have question mark without having actual words to make the sentence first. And the starting rotation doesn't have that. That's the question I'm answering. You are answering a question, what should their top priority be? The best player they could possibly get. That's what you're saying. And so that doesn't answer the question of position necessarily because I don't think you care what position it is. You just want to see somebody come in here with a top of the league track record and that's it. So that's three different questions that we're answering. I don't know if any of them are necessarily wrong. I don't think we gave any of us gave wrong answers to any any of the questions, but it is funny that we all three showed that we interpret that question a different way, which in turn shows how many needs this White Sox team probably has. That's that's (laughs) the thing is like there's like 12 to 15 needs for the actual major league roster and I I guess when I'm looking at the question and the reason why I'm, I'm trying to say like this is where you should spend your money or focus on you know filling this need first it's less about you know setting the market or anything it's just like right field's always been an issue yes. I think Adam Duvall will fix right field that's that's my personal opinion mm-hmm. right if they have a different opinion I'm just saying fix right field fix second base whatever but be aggressive to do that make sure you get in the player that you want to fill out that spot mm-hmm. um, but I guess I'm taking Sox Mom's question a little bit too literally. I'm trying to think as Chris gets. And what we've seen from the Giants is they were willing to pay for Carlos Correa at some point. Mm-hmm. Obviously, medicals turned up, but they were willing to pay for hitting. Arson Judge, too. Arson Judge, too. Great call. Um, the only pitching that they've paid for was a year of Carlos Rodon on a rental, basically. And it was only $22 million. That's basically a little bit more than a qualifying offer, right? I mean, the qualifying offer is around 18, so four more million than a qualifying offer. It's basically the buyout that Clevenger got. So um, it, it's, it's I, I don't see the White Sox being aggressive in going out and getting a starting pitching pitcher because I don't think the, the budget's going to be more than the past year. I think it's going to be under $180 million. So if you have so many guys to fill out, right, it's just a math equation at this point. Like, I just don't think they can spend that much on pitching, and it doesn't seem like a philosophy of Bannister, especially in what he just said. He's looking for guys that, you know, are 29 and 35 that know their body that have just kind of fallen away from their success and getting them back to that point, understanding what makes them successful and trying to give them that direction. And I think, again, that's just cheaper than Adam Duvall. Hey, that guy's going to wake up, roll out of bed, and hit you 25 homers. And I think that that strategy from Bannister and therefore the White Sox, right, is a terrific strategy to try and fill out a starting rotation because he'll have you go out and get a bunch of those guys. We talked about it last offseason. Some of the some of that will work. He will be able to work that magic on a number of those guys. A number of them he won't. And that's just how baseball works out. But go do go get throw as much as the wall that you possibly can and try to cobble together the best rotation 
more than five guys, I might say, yes. you know, that's what you need to do if you're going to win and, and compete and go far um, that you possibly can. And I think they're going to do that. But in the spirit of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, why can't they do both? Why couldn't they say, and especially this team, considering the number of holes that they do have to fill on that pitching staff, maybe they say, we're going to go out and sign 10 low-level guys or, you know, or whatever, or, you know, three mid-level and seven low-level guys. And also maybe we will make a little run at uh, Aaron Nola or Blake Snell. And I'm not, saying it's re- I'm not saying that that's realistic. I'm saying that that strategy is the one that any team, any front office should have. The White Sox now have a guy that gives them the ability to confidently do one half of that equation, right? And at the same time, you should go ahead and say, we're going to try to bring in anybody that we can. Maybe Brian Bannister, who knows pitching, is not like, you know, well, I only like guys who are 29 to 35 years old who I can get to do what they did before. He probably looks at Blake Snell and goes, yeah, he's a good pitcher. You know what I mean? And so whether it's Blake Snell, the two-time Cy Young winner or not, going higher up that list, you know, not limiting themselves to anything is probably the best strategy. And so when it comes to acquiring starting pitching, I think any fan should want them to explore every avenue that they can. And now they can have a little bit of confidence or at least a reason to be hopeful, right, in that they have this guy as part of the front office who opens up several more avenues that could lead to success. But like Blake Snell, Aaron Nola, they're going to cost around like what? 25, 25 to 33 minimum. million yeah. a year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I just I just don't see the White Sox spending that type of money. You no. don't see like, it? Sure. But you can't say there's a 0% chance that it happens or that Chris Getz wants to, wants it to happen. You know, I feel as confident as Andrew Benatendi hitting less than 10 homers in 20 like Well, that's th- fine. Th- th- you putting, can make you know, the bet, like, but it's not 0% is the point I'm saying that like you've got a new guy in there, right? You've got I mean, yeah, he worked for this team for the last 7 years, but there's a new guy in the decision-making chair. Maybe a guy who is more willing to stake his, uh, I don't want to say reputation, but, you know, roll the dice on trying to convince Jerry Reinsdorf to do to, to pay for this guy. Here's why. I'm very passionate about it. And at the, at the end of the day, you just got to offer the guy more money than any other team. You know what I mean? Like, they, Jerry Reinsdorf was willing to pay Zach Wheeler. Yeah, right. The, the, the report did, was that it was more money. And yeah. they, did offer, they did offer more right. than any other team. But I guess my point just being that when, they, when, when you talk about the other half of this, the banister part of this, right? Oh, man, they could now, now that they've got this guy, they can go out and get these types of pitchers, and maybe it works out for them. That's good. That's another whole avenue that it opens up to that they might not have had before. The other, the, there's other avenues, too, and one of them involves spending a crap ton of money on one guy. I don't see it happening. But you can't sit here and say, well, we know they're not going to ever do this. So I think the idea is, and particularly for this year's White Sox team, because of the way that rotation currently looks, you have to try every possible way to bring pitchers into that group. You know, real quick, just, just because, uh, you know, Weasel says Snell fills a quality left-handed role in their rotation. This club needs him. I'm not saying that. Like, if Blake Snell's on the team, woohoo. I'm just trying to do the math problem. Like, if their budget's 180, he costs 33 a year, that you're spending 60% of your budget on a guy. Yeah. It just doesn't make mathematical sense or, or, or sense from a budget standpoint. I just... Rick Hahn wasn't able to convince him. Rick, Kenny Williams wasn't able to convince him. Like, but if, this if this team's gonna, if he this knows team, baseball. If this team's <laughs> going to spend, you know, right under the the point you get taxed for it, the, the luxury tax, like if they're going to spend up to that that type of money, then sure, yeah, go sign Blake Snell. But they're just not. It should because it's, was it like 220 this year? It was going to go going yeah, right. up. Um, 
Do you know what all this sounds like to me, even though he's younger than 29? Alec Manoa. It sounds like they're going to be trading for Alec Manoa to get him back to his form of a Cy Young uh, top three finisher two years ago. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like Hunjun Ryu, who had a a good uh, renaissance back in uh, L.A. and was not really good with the Toronto Blue Jays. So would I be fine with those? Not really. I mean, Manoa more than Ryu, but because you have to get you have to trade something to get Manoa because he's still part of the Tampa Bay or Toronto Blue Jays uh, organization. But if he can get those guys and get them back to any type of semblance of where they were in their primes, cool, smart, smooth. I think uh, what Manoa is like 27 now, so he falls out of your uh, your the, the number he's talking about, the 29 to 35, but I'm sure yeah. he would love to get that guy in and mold him to the pitcher he was two years ago. But also, Herb, you're talking about, talking about former Cy Young candidates, right? And, yeah. and this this description that we're hearing from Brian Bannister might be a little bit lower down on the, on the, on the food chain yeah, than right. that. Right. And so, I Can't mean, too much lower. You're Alex Woods, you're Sean Manias, you're D. Right. Scalfani's, right. you're Ross. That kind of guy, mm. those kind of guys. And Hey, D. he's D. been Scalfani. able, he's been able to have success with those guys and that's fine. But um, that to me, right. Is what jumps out when you're trying to fill multiple spots in a rotation and you're trying to say, all right, who can we, who can we get at low cost and bring in here at low risk and maybe work the magic to turn them into. If you're signing, again, those guys have had recent problems, so it's not super specific to those two Blue Jays pitchers that you mentioned. But if you're signing Blake Snell and, or Aaron Nola, you're saying, maybe. all right, go. Maybe. We don't need to teach you anything. Go. Maybe. And yes. that's, not the, that's not the description that he, that he is applying to these players. What's going to happen when Di Scalfani comes and him and Vaughn meet in the clubhouse? Do you want to have some words? Do you remember? No. They had like a certain beef like. Beginning of the year. At beginning of the year. Yeah. Like he hit, Vaughn hit like a ball either in the air or something and said something, was pissed at himself. And Di Scalfani was like, what the hell? And oh. yelling at Andrew Vaughn. I'm like, Andrew Vaughn? That man doesn't say anything. Yeah. Why are you mad at him? Thank- Thankfully, I blocked that from my memory. Yeah. They're going to be teammates next year. That makes so much sense. Um. And, and again, like, I guess to just kind of illuminate the point more, like, I just, it could be great for them to have a Blake Snell or a horse or like, you know, to fill out the rotation. But again, I don't even think this is going to be a rotation. I think it's going to be our pitchers, right? Um, You're it's, talking it's about, about a radical reimagining. Yes. It's about getting outs, right? It's, it's less about a rotation and setting it up for the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, right? It's just about getting outs pure and simple and however we can get 27 outs on a certain day. Um, and again, if you look at the... Giants and their starters. Logan Webb made 33 starts. Alex Cobb made 28. Dee Scalfani made 18. Um, Ryan Walker, who only pitched 60 innings, made 13 starts and was basically an opener. All right. But is and this by, Alex Wood was 12, 12 Is starts. this by design or is this the reason the Giants didn't make the playoffs and well, their manager got fired? But I mean, but uh, <laughs> y- yes, but I mean, I think those guys were worse. Their hitters were also horrendous i mean did you see their lineup i mean that's, I'm just a, that's the thing though you're it's talking like, about that like it might be some sort of secret strategy and i'm wondering like if you have five guys that can make 30 starts is that the way they're going they would to go? go that way right yeah uh, again if that was their thought process though i think that they would be paying for starting pitching right like they they, they sprinkled on rodan because they thought they can get a cy young performance from a lefty who would benefit from being in that park um and you know there's the 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 risk of you know injury like the white Sox didn't even want rodan right so we're taking a gamble on this guy and that's why he's 22 million when he's probably going to give us a performance that's around 33 million right again it's just about the idea of maximizing your 
budget. At least that's what I'm thinking the Giants were trying to do. And again, that led them to 107 wins in 2022 um, or 2021. Um, Their hitters and their lineup was just atrocious, though. Like they didn't have anyone powerful like Brandon Belt was their best hitter I think in 2022 and he's gone and like Brandon Belt's not putting the he wasn't even that good that 22 right and I mean he's like what the Blue Jays fifth or sixth best hitter um that's saying something that team's not a good hitting team even though they have names but even then you look at the Sox top five uh starts uh cease 33 Kopech 27 clevenger 24 lancelin 21 giolito 21 and the reason those guys stopped making 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 starts was because they were traded Correct. right like the white Sox were vastly different from from the giants the, the white Sox used openers when they needed to so like you're gonna see more openers. they were te- technically openers yeah i remember mm-hmm. what one time was it one time they actually did the thing where they started a guy who threw an inning and then somebody came in and threw six like once or twice maybe that happened like mm-hmm. That wasn't really a strategy that they were doing. They were just like, all right, well. well we have to pitch Kopech. Jesse Schultens is going to pitch today, but maybe we'll put Tanner Banks out there first. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, again, it's just about, you know, you're, you need 700 or whatever innings from a pitching staff, and that's that's what the White Sox are going to be trying to do is, is putting that puzzle piece together. Um, the final point, and then we'll take a break here. Um, they feel like I kind of lost it. Anyways, um, I just think that what Bannister is going to focus on is kind of what the, the twins focused on was just getting strikeouts uh, this year. And a guy who's going to help with that is, is Michael Kopech. Uh, so we'll talk about him. Uh, we got some Brian Bannister video and we got some Kopech uh, video on his relationship with Bannister and why he thinks that he can bounce back this year. Uh, we're going to let you know though about our friends over at uh, Ray CDJR. Uh, that's Ray Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Uh, are you in the market for a new vehicle? If you are, then we have some great news for you. Ray Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram in Fox Lake has just joined the CHGO team. At Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and find unforgettable savings. And right now, during Ram Power Days at Ray CDJR, only in Fox Lake, you'll be able to secure 0% financing or 17% off new Ram models. But that's not all. Now through October 31st, explore their newly renovated showroom and take advantage of limited-time seven-year anniversary savings. So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out the team at Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram because they are the only team we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit Ray CDJR in Fox Lake or RayCDJR.com today. Serving the community since 1963. Also want to let you know about our friends over at Goose Island. Feel free to give a honk. Are you drinking something, Herb? I am not. Okay. But right. always, I'll be drinking ah. a 3-1-2 on set. There you go. <laughs> You've got a whole football game to pace yourself for. I do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Are you staying here yeah. for the game? All right. Yeah, I'll have a Goose Island later, Matt too. Matt Peck and myself will be uh, doing the watch along. Nice. Um, and then I, I don't know where he is, but I think he just disappeared somewhere. Uh, our guy, Kevin Kaduk, uh, running the Chicago Marathon. He got bib 312. How about so, that? Yeah, very fun. Uh, so CHGO supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. And their beer roster includes the Beer Hug Family, 312 Wheat Ale, the Full Pocket Pills, and Oktoberfest because it is October. Uh, celebrate uh, responsibly and celebrate seasonably, folks. I mean, come on, get spooky. Uh, and we got events coming up with Goose, like our tailgate on... 
the 8th, no, the 15th, uh, the 15th and the 22nd. Uh, those are next two coming up in October uh, when the Bears take on the Minnesota Vikings and the Las Vegas Raiders. You can buy tickets at allchgo.com. Diehards get a 20% uh, discount, so make sure you're checking that out before we sell out. Uh, we got a ton of people. There's Free Goose Island there. Uh, we got some Sweetwater Barbecue as well. Uh, so it is Firewater. A firewater, my bad. Sorry. Uh, Delicious, though. Delicious. And uh, try the pulled pork. Make sure you come out and check us out uh, and Goose Island out at our tailgates. Grab an ultra fresh brewery exclusive beer at Goose Island's original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown, Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. And you don't know who you're going to see at those tailgates, so come on through. Celebrities right. all the time. You never know. All the time. What? Herb. Herb is the celebrity. I'm not saying uh, who, I'm gonna but be there's there. celebrities there Sarah? all yeah. the time. Sarah's a can celebrity. We not, can we not hint, hint or can't. allude to? No. Just don't. No. Fine. I'm telling you. Celebrities. Right. Come on through. Yeah, high ranking. Um, okay. Let's get into Michael Kopech because I think there's a lot of things that I, I, I found here that you guys might find interesting. Um, but let's first hear from... Bannister and Kopech. Uh, here is Brian Bannister on his relationship uh, with Kopech um, and, you know, what he's going to try to find to do or, or try to bring out of Kopech in 2024. Yeah, you know, part of being around the game a long time, I had Michael in Boston. Uh, he was part of the sale trade. Um, I'm a big believer in him. We've already had some initial discussions, and uh, you know, I, my, my sweet spot has always been helping pitchers that are either coming off a down year or have lost their identity a little bit, and really getting in there and building trust with them and, and helping them identify what makes them a productive major league pitcher, and just uh, walking alongside them in that process. You see anything that are fixable? Uh, for, for sure. You know, I know he just had uh, the knee issue, um, but going forward, uh, there are things we did in Boston that I'm looking to also do here. And uh, I think we can give him what he needs to take his game to another level like he was a couple years ago. And I think taking his game to where he was a, a couple years ago means starter. I know there's been some hemming and hawing about what he actually is. He's starting. He's a starter, yes. right? I, I, I would be very shocked that in 2024, to start that year, he is in the bullpen in any capacity. He is a starter unless it does not work. Right, unless, right. unless there's there's I, something catastrophic. I believe that at some point this year, I believe it, I believe it was Pedro, it might have been Getz, but I'm pretty sure it was Pedro, who said, we're going to use, exhaust everything we possibly can to make him a starter. And once we do that, if it's not working, then we can, then we can, and this was given as a compliment, utilize his versatility to go ahead and put him in the bullpen. But this team, and it shouldn't take you any more than looking at the current roster and not seeing mm -hmm. any other starting pitchers to know that they're going to do everything they can to make him a successful starting pitcher come opening day 2024. And I think for good reason. Again, I, I think there's a lot of uh, magic to still be uh, found in that uh, whatever. The, he's basically Frosty the Snowman. That old silk cat? Do. Yeah, bingo. Yeah. Um, That's becoming a nice bit. you got to keep doing that. Thank That's, you. I like that. I <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> if I could actually you know, say it the right way, it would be a great bit. Um, but I think you guys got hung up a little bit too much on the the twenty nine to thirty five thing when I when I played that last clip. I did because definitely. because again, what he says, Bannister says in this one too is my sweet spot has always been helping pitchers 
regardless of their age. Yes. We, yeah, we were, who are we either were, coming off a down year uh, or have lost their identity a little bit. Um, we were more making fun of you. I know. As well as, uh, at, at least I, was trying but, to clue Herb into the fact that they're not necessarily going out to get Johnny Cy Young this year is yes. kind of what I meant. Right. Yeah. Johnny Cy Young. But, and, and two, like the 29 to 35 guys are guys that are hitting free agency either for the first time or didn't have their true wishes granted in their first time reaching free agency, right? Carlos Rodon's first wish out of free agency wasn't one year, $22 million. It was six years, $162 million with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why he's screaming at the pitching coach when he's given up eight runs in the first inning. Um, but I, I, I really think that this is a great addition to the Sox. I'm really excited about Brian Bannister. Um, this is something that he talked about in that Tread Athletics uh, piece as well, just that he realized in his career when he was in Kansas City uh, that data was his steroids, which is cheesy, but I loved it. Um, and he helped Granky kind of understand like how you to... Wanted, you wanted more nerds. You got, I, you, I got want, you got at least one. Nerds! Uh, <laughs> he helped Granky get to the Cy Young in, in 2009 and, and he was basically an analyst on the staff as a pitcher because um, Pitch Effects came out in 2007 and Granky's season was in 2009 um, and he said, you know, I, I knew that my talent was limited but I could always help guys with that talent reach their true potential and what have we always heard with Michael Kopech? Potential, potential, potential. I mean, he's compared to Patrick Mahomes because they're you know pitching on the same fields um, and I think too Kopech's just such an interesting pitcher because he's always had that potential what do you tell a guy who throws 97 right like I mean Michael Kopech there's nothing wrong with his fastball the velocity has gone up and down but I think a big part about what he needs to do is um, just strength and conditioning is just having the body to be a starter because he gave you the quote uh you know 180 to 200 innings is what he was you know hoping for 2023 and he said you know he was getting ahead of himself very much this so. year that like he, he was kind of you know those five days he was kind of wandering away from his actual like target um and, and getting ahead of himself because that's what he said in the, the piece He's trying to fix too much he was dwelling dwelling right. on the fixes that needed to be made and it, it, it and it was having a negative effect yeah so. and no one pitches 180 innings pretty much anymore 200 innings and the guy that's off injured was setting himself up for failure at the beginning of the year if he's trying to reach that number as we said at the time it's like 150 is plenty brother uh, from where you were from and where you're gonna be going i don't even think he hit that this year so yeah i think hopefully brian bannis is gonna help him develop another pitch right Hopefully another pitch. Uh, we're going to get into that in a second, too. And I, I think hopefully you can help him throw strikes. Uh, let's hear from Kopech, and we'll get into throwing strikes, that arsenal, and, and the other pitches, too. Huge. Huge. Um, I've liked Manny since I met him. Um, you know, and he's it's been nothing but good to me as a professional. Um, and you know, I think he, he can offer a lot with the experience that he's had um, being with the Sox and then with the Giants. Um, I'm, I'm excited to have him along. I'm excited to kind of get to know him a little bit more on a personal level um, you know, and see where that can take my career and hopefully take this team. Is uh, making the third pitch in your arsenal uh, for next year, refining it, uh, making it more of an impactful pitch? Is that the goal for you? Um, I mean, I used four pitches this year, and I, I used them a little bit inconsistently, but I used them kind of differently every start. So um, I'm comfortable with the changeup that I have this year. Um, so that's 
that's the third pitch and I'm comfortable with the curveball that I've used in the past. Um, I just need to different, differentiate shapes a little bit better and um, go about you know, getting ahead with guys. Um, I, I think most importantly for me is you know, getting ahead and throwing strikes. I, I don't think that my arsenal really needs to be too much different. I just think I need to be able to, to attack with the pitches I do have. You mentioned work. What does the work look like this offseason? How much of it needs to be done to, to kind of get you to where you want to be? It's just a, it's a deliberate focus. Um, you know, I, I've never shied away from work in any way, but there's been times where um, you can, like I said, get a little bit ahead of yourself. Um, and I think that if I can stay in each and every moment, you know, throughout workouts, throughout a you know, workload of a day, then um, it's going to be easier to stay with each pitch. Um, so I, I think where I'm at right now is uh, com like a comfortability of going into this offseason and making sure I can do that. And, um, you know, it, it might be a lot of work on the mound. It might be a lot of work in um, making sure I know how my body moves and how it moves through space. Um, it might be a mix of both. Probably will be a mix of both. And uh, I'll attack each and every one of those things with everything I have. All right, I'm going to spew, and then I'll let you guys jump in. But You're going to spew? Yeah. Spew into this. <laughs> I, exactly. Um, the, the, the part that I found most interesting there was just this offseason he's going to try to figure out how his body moves. And something that Brian Bannister was talking about, too, was he was exposed to baseball from an extremely young age, obviously with Floyd being a part of the White Sox, his dad being a professional, um, talking about being exposed to Tom House from an early age, and he is like the godfather of biomechanical, uh, uh, I guess, coaching um so i i think that him understanding his body is going to be huge for the socks and him mentioning attacking the zone is obviously going to be the biggest step that his actual pitching can make progress in um so i think that this is obviously a huge offseason for 20 uh, for michael kopech uh in 2024 but i i think that it could be career defining because if the if the if the work is truly beneficial and Brian Bannister is able to apply all of his knowledge to Kopech and they're able to build that trust. I know the slider had disappointing results, but the fastball is something that is not broken, can be fixed, can be worked with. And I am extremely excited for Brian Bannister to have this project of Michael Kopech. I'm really, I think that it is a really perfect pairing. I'm when when he says, I know what the reporter was asking. It's like about developing a third pitch, and Michael's like, I pitch use four pitches. You do, but you don't. Like I think his third pitch is his changeup, and he uses that like seven and a half percent of the time. Good results, varying results. Don't people don't hit him that hard, and then his curveball, like he barely uses that, and there's good results there. So I need him. Brian Bannister, Ethan Katz, and the rest of the pitchers have to get to Michael and say, you might have four pitches, but throwing your fastball for the majority of the time, 62% of the time, cool, because it's electric. Slider's good, but they also both got hit really hard because you didn't have a third pitch to have the pitcher, have the batter look at and say, okay, I can't just be sitting fastball or adjusting to slider. So, yeah, you have pitches. 
used them more, developed them more. Because that curveball, I thought he used more earlier in his career. And maybe he thinks that torque and then whatever it does to his shoulder is too much and his elbow is too much. But I think he could use these pitches a little bit more. Doesn't have to be equal like uh, Santa, um, the Sandy Alcantara. Doesn't have to be like 25% each. Just tick up a little bit. Take a little bit off that fastball and throw that change up a little bit more. And I hope that that's the focus in the offseason. Yes, getting stronger so we can go longer is a huge thing. And also, his bugaboo was first innings. Can you get through the first innings? And so I think Michael Kopech is a huge reclamation project. If Brian Bannister gets him anywhere near where he was earlier in his career, he's a genius. And this is a genius hiring. The Sean, I think you're exactly right. I think this is the off season for Michael Kopech. This is, this is the one. And I, I don't want to use the, I don't want to say like running out of chances or anything like that. But I mean, he's been in this organization for seven years. Uh, I mean, yeah. he has not had a yeah. traditional way up there. I'm, I'm totally understand that he is not where he quote unquote should be for a very good reason because he missed two full seasons. Um, but that being said. It's time to, you know. At some point, he becomes another person's project. Well, or another eventually, project, but he's right? under the contract with the White Sox no, right no, now. No, no, but, like, if he, if he fails, like, you know, like, it, it just, if he fails this year, it's just, it's it's someone else, maybe it's change of scenery, right? Like, it, it just comes to a point because you could just say talent, talent, talent all you want, and it just, you got to put up or shut up or at least, you know, try something else. Like, it just seems repetitive. Us sitting here right now. And I would imagine, to a degree, the White Sox themselves have no idea what Michael Kopech is going to be next year, right? Because that offseason yeah. work maybe hasn't started. I'm sure they have belief. I'm sure they have hope. I'm sure they have educated, uh, uh, you know, opinions on what he'll be. But is he going to be a top-of-the-rotation pitcher? Is he going to be a back-of-the-rotation pitcher? Is he going to not solve these problems and show up to spring training and be in a way where the best way for them to get anything out of him is to be in the bullpen? Is he going to be healthy? We t- we're talking about another knee surgery here at the end of the year. What's he going to be? We have, we have no idea. And so this offseason is, it's not just a, it's not just extremely important it is as important as it gets because he needs to show the White Sox that he can be counted on to get them out if they're in a position this year where we think they might be where the offseason comes and goes they haven't checked everything off the to-do list they're in a position where they're not maybe necessarily thinking we're going to compete and contend for a division title this year it's more about 25 well what can they how can they factor Kopech into the plans for 25 or can they at all? It is going to be critical uh, for him that he gets this improvement done. And we we heard from Pedro on a number of players this year. It's going to be important because we need him. Kopech is one of them. And boy, they need him because it's the difference between uh, going out and getting an entirely new rotation or just adding guys to what a, a rotation that already has some holes in it. And I don't need him to be top of the rotation next year but show that growth towards that because he was one of the worst pitchers who threw as many innings as he did. I think only Adam Wainwright had a worse uh, expected ERA this year, and Adam Wainwright is retiring this year. So I don't need him to be number one or number two in the White Sox, even though right now he is the two pitcher because they don't have anybody else. I just need him to be a middle rotation guy. Lower the walks. Find a way you can get into the fifth inning comfortably each time. That shouldn't be a thing anymore. That should be like the expectation. Five innings is minimum, like any starting pitcher. So 
this is the problem with Michael Kopech. That's the inconsistencies, the walks, the not finding the uh, strike zone, and his beef slow puts. He's got he's like Jake Taylor. Well, and <laughs> I, I I mean I don't remember the scene in uh, Major League where Tom Berenger has a cyst removed from his knee. But hey, you know maybe he, I got to rewatch the movie a little he, bit more. He's a little intently. bit more tougher. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know. Hey, I, I think it, it, from what we heard about the cyst, it wasn't causing him any pain, right? I don't think it was causing him pain. It was just like uncomfortable. Yeah, he said it was. What did he say? He said it was noticeable, quite, quite present, but present. not, but not something that uh, impacted him to a degree where he had to change everything up. Right. It uh, sounds like it wasn't great. No, but I'm, no. I'm glad I don't have a cyst in my knee. We'll put it that way. Glad it's removed. Okay, we're gonna take one one more break, and uh, I'm gonna kind of talk about him throwing strikes, and again, why I I am. I think that this is a project that's worth it. I understand that talent only means something if you have the results, of course. Um, but like, how do you get that talent to actually get results? I think that there are there are ways that you know Brian Bannister will try to focus on Kopech to get those results. Um, Want to let you know though about Fubo TV. They have 140 live channels of sports, shows, movies, and news. You can stream live TV from any device. You can watch the most Chicago sports for the lowest price, and you can start watching immediately with a free trial at FuboTV.com/chgo. There's no contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. Our favorite uh, feature is the thousand hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge, and you can watch local teams while traveling. So hey, if you're Brian Bannister and you're traveling from San Francisco go to Chicago, you can have all of Michael Kopech's uh, starts on the cloud DVR and, uh, you know, go back and watch all the tape you want. Uh, events coming up, not the White Sox, but we got college football and the NFL. Watch your favorite college and NFL with Fubo. Uh, go to www.fubotv.com chgo. That's fubotv.com chgo to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. And they have Red Zone, too, which is every uh, NFL's, uh, f- NFL fan's favorite uh, channel. Yeah. Feature channel scott hansen uh anyways i also want to let you know about our friends over at not our friends it's us uh the diehard read go natural i seem panicked um <laughs> we have podcasts and live shows on every team every day uh we've talked about Grandall, uh, eric uh we, we have a a show uh five days a week now monday through friday uh, at 3 30 p.m and especially today we're gonna have a pregame we're gonna have a live show during the game and a postgame show for the bears and redskins nope so you, ooh Commanders. The comms. Mercy. Put a dollar on the jar. My bad. The commies. <laughs> the commies. My bad. Uh, I'm calling them all night long. Commies. Why, why was that ever a name? Uh, but we have post-game <laughs> shows, premium written content for members at allchjo.com, uh, and diehards get 20% off events. That we have dope merch for all teams, from the Fire Sky to the Sox and Bulls, and you get a free shirt when you become a member at allchjo.com, and you could join our members-only Discord, the CHGO Lounge. You can ask us questions for diehard-only days. Uh, you can get exclusive diehard-only merch, like the Meatball Island shirt. Uh, so it's a great, fun time, and you get, again, 20 percent off to the uh previously mentioned uh chgo tailgates with goose island uh so it is a good time or to you know events like our golf outing that we had this this summer as well uh so if you do want to help support chgo go to allchgo.com and become a diehard today and finally uh herb who made you feel good this week or who's going to make you feel good tonight with the Chicago Bears. Justin Skyler Fields. All right. Uh, so Justin Fields uh, owned this weekend. Hopefully he can own this game uh, and take down the Commanders. Uh, and Sunnyside is going to help you own uh, your weekend. Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary is your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kind of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate your football season. No matter where you are on your cannabis journey, they have easy online ordering and in-store pickup to make it easy on you, and you get rewarded with Sunnyside Rewards. They have a great transparency. Can trans- 
transparent loyalty program, Sunnyside Rewards. So when you pick up, you are rewarded. Uh, they're Illinois' favorite dispensary. Herb's favorite is over in Wrigleyville. Herb, when you're walking in, what are you picking up? That's Frye from Good News. Those gummies. Uh, Delicious. Th- through October 15th, you can head to sunnyside.shop and use code CHGO at checkout for 25% off your total order. One use per customer. It's not stackable with other promotions, and that's not only for new customers. Anyone can use our code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order at sunnyside.shop. Pick up everything you need to elevate your football season. Must be 21 plus or an Illinois med card holder. All right. Um, it seemed like you guys kind of liked this stuff uh, yesterday. So let's let's go back into the medical chart here oh um, goodness here we go i i, I, th- I think this is the, fir- the right one to start yeah thank you uh sarah so let me call up my my gp and have him take a look yeah, at this yeah 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 get all your <laughs> jokes out uh-huh. you're so funny um <laughs> uh, so i think this is gonna be easy to understand for for people if you're if you're watching uh, and i'll try to take you through uh with my voice but in 2023 michael kopeck had a negative 14 run value that's not good Okay, you want to uh, have a positive run value and be a positive, uh, you know, uh, contributor to your team. But in the heart of the zone, Kopech was worth plus five runs. Oh, that's good. In the shadow of the zone, he was worth plus 20 runs. Let's go. So anytime he was near the strike zone, he was worth plus 25 runs. Do that more. That sounds pretty good. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. And then in the chase, which is for batters to chase pitches because they're balls, or the waste zone, he was worth negative 21 runs and negative 18 runs. So when everyone's saying he needs to throw strikes, he needs to throw strikes. Um, there's there's nothing really that sticks out too much too with the the take and swing rates um batters swing a little bit less in the shadow portion of him uh there's a 51 swing rate in the shadow uh region for kopech uh the league average is 53 but nothing's really too much of an outlier it's just when he throws the ball in the zone he's really successful who would have known sean he led he led the american league in walks I know he did. 91. That's that's a good point to add. It's too many walks. That's too many walks. Herb also, yes. see if you agree with me on this. Okay. You can throw that graphic back up, Sarah, for a second because I'm going to make fun of it some more. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at heart, shadow, chase, and waste. And I, all I can think of is that like this is the instruction card Ooh. in like a Magic the Gathering style game. You know, I know what you're talking yes. about, but I that went way over my head. I was thinking more of like an 80s group like Heart, and there was a band named Shadow or Chase or White Waste. Waste. Waste, Waste. coming to the, the stage with Guar. <laughs> They'll be at the Four Winds Casino with the voice of Rat. My thought. <laughs> Steve, Steve Pearson. Steve Pearson, Pearson yeah. voice of Rat. Yeah. My thought, I missed those commercials. My thought is Shadow should be a five word, uh, a five letter word. Because yes. are you? All chase, the other waste. ones are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they kind of yeah. screwed that up there. Uh, so fix that, Stackcast. Heart, um, shadow, chase, and yeah. waste. Yes, he does. Those are my, the four elements of pitching. Or American Gladiators. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> shadow and heart are going to be shooting uh, tennis, tennis balls, balls at you. Um, <laughs> okay, but here's, here's a little fun game. So in the heart and shadow... From 2022 and 2023. I feel like I have to trade some get gems. Get a little heart and shadow. I have to trade some Sorry. property Gem. gems in order to get the uh, answer <laughs> the to this. What um, do you got, Sean? There have been, uh, let's see, uh, 1,130 uh, 1, pitchers uh, who have uh, thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball. Okay. Where does Michael Kopech rank when it comes to pitcher run value? So, again, you know, it's the positive numbers. Where does he rank in positive uh, uh, pitcher run value uh, out of the 1,130 pitchers in the heart and shadow zone since 2022. So 
this oh, so year? just the last two years. Last two years. Okay. So, since he's been a starter. I'll say highly. He ranks highly. I think he's top 100. 36th. Top 40. Uh, 58.5. Uh, right around Michael Walker, Ch- uh, Charlie Morton, Brandon Woodruff, uh, and even uh, Dane Dunning. Wow. That's uh, so a shout out. Kevin Gosman is uh, 30th, too. Um, so it's just... Again, not throwing enough strikes, which is is, is simple enough. Um, when he throws his fastball in the zone or in that shadow, um, he has a negative 25.5 run value. So he is just incredibly effective with that pitch. Um, I think since 2022, he's eighth in stuff plus on, on his fastball. So it is just truly about having consistency with that motion which is difficult to do because every motion every pitching uh a time you pitch it is unique right it, it's so hard to inch by inch recreate that pitching motion but it's just about getting to a comfortable spot and i think a, a strong spot for kopech to where later on in the year he's not uh you know kind of gassing out the final stat i have uh Again, since 2022, in the heart and shadow for just the four-seam fastball, where does Michael Kopech rank in pitcher run value for his four-seam fastball? Zach Allen's number one at 74.2. I would say 28th. I'll say top 10. Top 10. He's nine. So mm. uh, he's, uh, what, one of, I think, 15 pitchers uh, with a 40 or more pitcher run value for his forcing fastball. Scherzer, Pavetta, Kirby. I mean, that's all one year for Kirby. Jesus. Bautista, Felix Bautista, the relief pitcher. Zach Wheeler, Adrian Palante, Kopech, Strider, Snell, Castillo, Verlander, Joe Ryan, Christian Javier, uh, Garrett Cole, and Zach Allen. Can I Pretty good list. posit that it's mainly, well, not mainly, his pitch is good, but he throws his fastball at a higher... He uh, should throw it more. Yeah, more. You think he should throw it more yeah. than 62%? It's, good. It's, a, it's a great pitch. It's hard pitch. to hit. It you, is. You should, throw, you should throw your pitch. If it's a good pitch, you should throw it as much as you possibly can. His issue is not throwing it in the, in the zone enough. When he throws it in the zone, it's a negative 25.5%. That's the thing, though. Pitch. He can't consistently throw it in the zone. That's what he right. So they got to work on command. They got to work on you know finding the zone. I mean that's that that is the thing with them. It's not that the the fastball's broken. It's just it has to hit the zone more. I think it's a more effective pitch if he hits the zone. If he throws it seventy percent of the time and he's hitting the zone like you know sixty percent of the time, he's going to be a positive pitcher. Like I, I I just I just think that maybe he just doesn't have it that way. Like some pitch people are just wild and effectively wild. Maybe. He's not effectively wild. No. Or wasn't he's, this year, at least. Not at all. Yeah. Because the problem, I, yeah, Herb, the, the, the part, I think, of the answer to answer of what you're getting at, maybe, is uh, maybe. that because he was so out, far outside the zone, he's in 2-0, 3-0, 3-1 counts all the time. Yes. And the people, when he does, then he's forced to throw it into the zone where people know where he's going to throw it, and hence why he gave up so many home runs this year. Mm-hmm. But the walks... It's just an overwhelming issue, and that you've, you, the the control, which Sean has illustrated wonderfully, is the main thing. That's what they've got to figure out, and that's probably what was driving him crazy. When you'd you'd see him sitting on the mound, being all mad at himself because he's there's another batter where the first pitch is a ball. There's another batter where it's two zero. There's another batter where it's three one, and he's at a disadvantage every single time. Yeah, and, and two, like, you look at the guys, uh, like, I mean, Strider, I think, is the best comp for him 
um, at least from the right-handed side. I know Kopech's a little bit bigger, um, but Strider, since 2022, has thrown his forcing fastball in the zone 37.5% of the time, Kopech 30.6% of the time. So if he's throwing his fastball in the zone more, like 7% of the time more, he's probably going to be a vastly different pitcher, probably to the point where, again, that talent's showing. So he's like, only show, throwing it. He so walks too many people. Yeah, He's exactly. just got to challenge people. He's got to attack. So he's throwing his fastball, forcing fastball, 30% in the zone. So that means 70% it's out of a 61% percentage. Mm-hmm. Oof, friends, golly. I mean, that, I mean, I guess they can look at that as like kind of an easy fix. All we need to do is bear down, as you said, have a repeatable motion. And I thought, you know, down. him just going from uh, the windup or going from the stretch would be better for him, but it hasn't turned out as such. But find a simplest version. And maybe Brian Bannister saw him pitching in a different way in Boston in the minors and say, hey, okay, go back to that. That was simplified. That was better. You were the minor league pitcher of the year in Boston. So those results were happening and you were getting good results and you you simplified your motion and you were keep on doing the same things. And it seems like, you know, if you're only throwing 30% of your fastballs in the zone, wow. Yeah. I mean, like, and then and some majority of your pitches – like, what are you doing otherwise? Wasting him? Yeah. I mean, again, throwing him in the waste and chase yeah. region. And no one's chasing a, a slider that's in the left-handers batter's box for the most part. Because right. that's all he has, has pretty much after that. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, again, if he's if he's challenging them more with his fastball, I think he, he becomes a, a more effective pitcher. And I think the, the next work is just, you know, maybe they find different grips or shapes for that slider and try to make that more effective. But from a stuff plus perspective, it's still an above average pitch if if 100 is average on a pitch he's around 102 for stuff plus so i mean it's still an average slider so if you have an above average fastball and an average slider and you're able to throw that in the seventh inning you know you got an effective pitcher but we even see uh, barrios being effective throwing 47 pitches and he's taken out after the third inning in a playoff game so like like, well that's the thing i mean again you're bemoaning that but that might be the white Sox future of hey we know we can get three innings out of michael kopech let's get three innings out of michael kopech someone asked can they make crochet a starter earlier i don't know if they're going to make crochet a starter but you know he might be an opener for them he might go come out and give them a different look uh you know from the left-handed side and, and make it a little bit more difficult on, on players uh people see the the change in jake diekman how bad he was with the white Sox. uh there's a great tiktok from uh, lance bozdowski uh, who works over at marquee all they did was you know f- uh have diekman lower his arm slot and he becomes, you know, Jake Diekman again, uh, which I know isn't terrifying to most people, but he had a sub three ERA, something he didn't have with the White Sox. So maybe with Crochet, it's something where you don't have that 97, 98, 101 anymore, but we lower your arm slot and you being that big with different extension, it makes you harder to pick up. Uh, what uh, Bannister is big on is deception. So maybe they're able to work in more deception with Kopech and maybe it's less about the pitches and stuff and it's more about, you know, Hiding that fastball and making, you know, the fastball is great, but let's try to hide the fastball a little bit more. got great extension, too. So, you know, if he can hide the ball a little bit more and the ball gets on you when he releases it. So, good luck. And you can be an effective pitcher with two pitchers. I I, I see Dan saying that's two pitchers. That's not a starter. Um, You can be a a fastball slider person and a pitcher in in, in Major League Baseball and and get by as long as those pitches are above average. Anyways. Slider's not though, Not yet. Any final things to add? 
Heart. Heart. Shadow. <laughs> Chase. And that, waste. <laughs> that's going to be the next t-shirt. Uh, that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community theater. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And Dan does bring up a good point. Uh, Herb could steal second on him. So uh, that's the one thing him and him and, figure a, out. him and a lot of White Sox pitchers this yes. year. Yeah. I mean, uh, out of 100 times, probably I'll get 50. That's pretty good for you. It is. That's pretty good for you. Not good for a if my, uh, for a major league catcher and my pitcher. My hamstring up. <laughs> well, that's the other. Fifty percent of the time it does hold up. Fifty percent of the time it, it doesn't. It almost died the other day when I'm playing softball. Oof. You got a long off season to rest that uh, that hamstring. Yeah, that's why I didn't play last night. Still barking. <laughs> Go get some training. Uh, we will talk to you all tomorrow at three thirty for another episode of the CHGO White Sox podcast. Goodbye.